Hey everybody and welcome to That Will Never Work. This week's episode covers two of my favorite topics, coffee and subscription economics. This week's entrepreneur, Carl Jameson, is the founder of Coffees Up, a subscription coffee service headquartered in Brooklyn, New York. Carl's struggling with two interesting problems. First, he has all the analytic tools he needs to understand his subscription economics. But what happens when there's some customer behavior going on which is not trackable? What are the old world tools you use to understand how customers feel about your product? And then a more personal problem. How does he know if he's the right CEO for the job? Well, if you're wrestling with either of those problems, this is the episode for you. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Carl, welcome to That Will Never Work. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you uh, because, uh, as I understand it, you are working on a business near and dear to my heart, something that plays a critical role uh, in my life, uh, which, of course, is coffee. Uh, I'm an addict, uh, and more than that, I've went down the rabbit hole many years, so love it. Um, and so I can't wait to hear what aspect of the business you're in the process of disrupting. So what I think would be a great way to start is if you could maybe really quickly give me an elevator pitch version of what problem were you trying to solve, um, what are you doing? Uh, and maybe you could neatly segue into what it is you want to talk about today. Sure. Thanks, Mark, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, so Coffee's Up is an app that we developed over the course of two years, and it's designed to disrupt the coffee industry as well as uh, change the way that consumers um, choose their daily cup of coffee. Um, very similar to Uber in a way, I guess, because... Uh, when Uber came in, uh, the whole world sat back and watched as commuters changed their daily habits. Um, Coffee's Up is designed to change the daily habit um, of the individual consumer. So um, what we've done is we've actually, for the first time ever, developed an app which uh, joins the coffee roaster to the cafe to the consumer and solves the problem at every stage of that ecosystem. Um, the problem we were solving from the roastery, um, we own a roastery uh, based in Brooklyn that serves several hundred cafes um, up and down the east coast of the USA. And what we noticed is every time our consumers went to do a pitch to a chain of cafes, um, every roaster does exactly the same thing. They pitch that their coffee is a specialty coffee at a very high level, and they pitch that um, the service is very good. So we thought, how do we differentiate ourselves from all the other roasters that are out there? And that's the genesis of the entire app. And so what we thought was, well, what would happen if we solved the biggest problem that a cafe faces, which is how to get people to walk into the cafe rather than past the cafe? And so we thought if we could solve that problem, we could go into the cafe, we could pitch to them, we could say we've got great specialty coffee, 
great service. And by the way, we can direct 20, 30, 50, 100,000 people uh, through your store. And so, so that was the problem we we're solving from the cafe perspective and from the roastery perspective. The last part of the equation and the problem we wanted to solve was for the consumer. So we thought, how do we get them into the actual cafe? And so what we thought was um, we would design a subscription model where rather than paying 5 or $6 uh, for a cup of coffee, if they paid us $8 a month and we gave them 12 free coffees um, a month for that $8, so $0.67 cents for a cup of coffee, then they would uh, go into that cafe and what happens is the roastery subsidises the coffee component of any free coffee. So when the consumer comes in, it's a great opportunity for the cafe to upsell to them, to get them as a regular, habitual customer that comes back uh, three, four times a week. So let me make sure I understand how this works. I think I do. I mean, I understand the basic model from the consumer. Basically, they come in, they subscribe, uh, 12 bucks a month. Well, that seems pretty reasonable. And for that, I can go into, the coffee, uh, in, into a coffee shop of my choice of any one of several hundred or thousand, however many there are, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, yeah. and get a cup of coffee up to eight uh, in a month. In, correct? A month or a week? Correct. A month. Uh, uh, three free coffees a week, so 12 a month. 12 a month. And what was the, and what was the price? Uh, $8 a month. I had it backwards. $8 and 12 coffees. Got it. Um, now, help me understand the economics from the cafe perspective. If I understand you guys keep all the subscription revenue, but in exchange for them dishing out the free coffee, you're going to give them free beans? Correct. And so... Basically, you give every coffee. Does the, do, do the <laughs> all right? I got to understand this better. So quickly, yeah. how many cafes have signed up for this uh, program? Okay, okay. So we launched fifteenth uh, of January, twenty twenty-two, and we've got uh, just over fifty cafes that are now live on the app, and we've got uh, probably another twenty or thirty um, that are waiting in the wings to be installed. And do those cafes get all of their coffee for free? Or do you have to do some calculation and go, you gave out 70 cups of coffee in the month, so we're giving you 40 pounds of beans? Yeah. What, so very quickly, how it happens, Mark, is um, the app records the number of free coffees. And then every time they get to 130 cups of coffee, which is equivalent to five pounds, then they get reimbursed five pounds of coffee. Ah, interesting. So your pitch to them, besides the fact, look at all the traffic we're going to get you, is basically, yes, you'll have the labor expense of making the coffee, but your major cost of goods, which is the beans, will be free, because we'll cover that. And what you get out of this deal is traffic, because the odds are, and I'm sure you have these numbers, which you can trot out in a beautiful deck, is that the average person doesn't just buy a cup of coffee, they buy a donut or they buy a crawler or they buy a sandwich or they go, I like this shop and I'm going to come back and begin coming here for my lunch and my... Is that, is that, is that kind of the, uh, the pitch? That's it, Mark. Yes. And because they're three free coffees a week, 
have to be done 20 have to be redeemed 24 hours apart you uh, the consumer is in coming in at least three times a week so there's three different opportunities to upsell um, their products uh, and so forth yeah and since you, you you're you're three months in or so now do you at the time of this taping do you have data that in fact what you're saying bears out that for every free cup of coffee, the average person spends X? Is it working? Yes. Um, what happens, Mark, is um, the average uh, sale per person when you go into a, a cafe is working out between about 11 and $13 uh, per person as they walk in. So um, over time, though, we think we can get that from 11 to $13 up to 18 to $20 uh, by some... Um, you know, pop-up offers on the app. For example, if you walk in and you redeem your free coffee, um, you'll see a pop-up that says, hey, Mark, would you like a toasty croissant with your coffee this morning? Uh, you, pre you press add to your order. Um, and of course, you buy the croissant as well as your coffee. Ah, and then of course, you keep the revenue from the croissant and just reimburse them with some free flour. I assume that'll be the, uh, that's the next phase of your, uh, of your empire. And pretty soon you've got the, the whole thing. Want some scrambled eggs and bacon? Awesome. Here's a pig and uh, some chickens. Um, so, this, so this sounds really, really interesting. Uh, but it's funny. What I had not expected was that this was essentially a tool to help you sell wholesale beans. As it's going, as it feels like it's starting to work, are you changing? Are you thinking, well, maybe the tail wags the dog here? Maybe we are onto something bigger than beans? Yeah, I think what's happening is um, we started off with the manufacturing and roasting business, and now the software business, if I can call it that, for Coffee's Up, um, is actually becoming, uh, not yet, but has certainly has the capacity to be bigger than um, than what the manufacturing business is. Um, and I should add, it's probably, yeah, the last part of the equation for Coffee's Up is the data component um, of all these consumers coming in and the benefits that we can offer to the independent cafes um, by understanding better the data, exactly the same way that Starbucks does it. So certainly really interesting. And what I would imagine you wrestle with, and tell me if this is correct or not, is that right now, in some ways, it's flipped around a little bit because now the limiting factor is in order for a, a cafe to participate in the subscription program, it has to choose your beans. And now, it, it's before it was, how do I get them to choose my beans? I'll give them subscription. And, and now it might even change over to, oh, they really love the idea of the subscription program, but... Uh, I don't really want to buy your beans. I want to buy the beans that I've been using forever. Is there a way around that? Um, well, what we've what we've got, Mark, is we've got uh, two categories of cafes as such. Um, we've got cafes that are existing wholesale customers of Abbotsford Road Coffee Specialists, the roastery, and we've got um, cafes that we know that we don't supply. And so, um, at currently, what happens is those uh, non-wholesale supplied cafes uh, get charged a fee to join the platform. And then we waive that fee if your supplied uh, beans 
through our um, through our roastery. But do you still keep the uh, keep the subscription revenue? Absolutely. If they're not getting free beans from you, <laughs> absolutely, because it's all about driving the traffic. Uh, I get it. Cafe, through to that cafe. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's even a better deal because that's a, that's essentially you're going to pay us uh, to give away to help us enable you to give away free cups of coffee. Um, lots of directions we could go with this. So I'm going to bring up one more thing before we actually get to perhaps the topic you want to talk about it because it's my show and I get to talk about the things I want to talk about. So I think this is a guy, you, Carl, who's, he has a coffee roastery, a bean roastery in Brooklyn, New York, one of the boroughs of Manhattan. Uh, he has this business serving cafes uh, in New York City. Uh, and you may be surprised. So Carl, where are you... Uh, calling us in today from where are you running this business from uh, i'm actually calling in from queenstown new zealand so in these days of uh, covid <laughs> so you we'll take a pause here where everyone runs to their globe which i'm sure you all have globes now and takes a string and stretches it between uh, brooklyn new york and queenstown new zealand and i'm going to suspect it's probably just about as far as possible as one can get from Brooklyn, New York, um, is are you in exile? Is this a is this a permanent thing? Is this are you the poster child for remote working uh, these days? Oh, look, Mark, I think we've got a lot of people here in uh, in Queenstown, New Zealand, that are operating businesses now from around the world, and uh, luckily we've got a great team in New York uh, that runs both the roastery um, and uh, and coffees up for us, and so. Um, Look, uh, phone and email and uh, Zoom meetings um, work perfectly well. And uh, hopefully I'll be back there in uh, May this year, actually. I'm looking forward to it after uh, two years away. Yeah. That's okay. I'm looking. They, they won't let me into New Zealand, uh, or maybe they've opened that up now, but I'm the opposite. I'm dying to get to get back there. And uh, listen, don't, don't tell anyone the coffee is way better in New Zealand and Australia than it is uh, in the United States. So that's another great reason. And great breakfasts. I want, you guys are good. And you're, you're Australian, is that correct, Carl? I was originally born in England, but I uh, spent 40 years of my life in Australia before migrating to New Zealand. You don't know what you are anymore. Okay, I get the idea. <laughs> but anyway, let's get this to the question that you may... What, what do you want to talk about today? Okay, so Mark, we'd really like some advice on, um, on your experience with converting downloads to registered paying subscribers. Um, and I can walk you through um, our numbers if you like, if that, if that assists, but um, our, our largest issue is we're getting a large number of uh, downloads of the app from the consumers. Um, and it's a question of um, that conversion rate from downloads through to registered paying subscribers. The topic you're bringing up is a critical one because, of course, every business struggles with this, is you have this classic funnel, as everyone talks about, where you have um, some mechanism you use to get people to hear about you, uh, and they get this first exposure. And then you what is the process by which you take these people who were initially exposed to you and step by step move them through to becoming um, customers. 
Now, in a subscription business, and those of you who don't run subscription businesses, uh, bear with me here. It's actually even a little more tricky because there's multiple stages to a subscription business. Because there is, first of all, there's the exposure, which is your, let's using a classic example, either you download the app or you land at a website. Uh, then the first, the, the, you have to go from there to, I want to try the service. Uh, but then you have something that happens usually 30 days later, or it could be a week later, or it could be eight coffees later, where then they have to convert, uh, which is they don't cancel. They stay as subscribers because the whole power of a subscription model, and I, I know I'm, you know these things, Carl, this is for benefit of people who don't necessarily run subscription businesses. But then you have this the, the challenge where it's one thing to get someone to subscribe, but the power of a subscription model is the fact that once you have them, they keep paying month after month after month and using your service month after month after month. And that's a whole different challenge. So it sounds like the problem you're having though is getting from this exposure, which is the downloading the app perhaps, to subscribing, which is starting, which is getting the first cup of coffee. Is that the gap you're, uh, you're seeing? Yes, yes, you're exactly right, Mark. So um, just to give you some data to go with it, um, of course, we couldn't start um, chasing the subscribers until such time as we had, you know, 40 or 50 cafes already in existence. So um, just over the last oh, six weeks, we've had about 5,000 downloads. And of those 5,000 downloads, 75% have opened the app and then only 36% have registered. We've got a very low churn rate um, in terms of our uh, registered paying subscribers falling off of about 6%, so it's fairly low. But where, where we're missing it is in the, um, from a download perspective, 75% open the app and only 36% complete the registration process. What leads them to download the app? Uh, we've got a fairly extensive uh, marketing campaign comprising social media, uh, radio, and PR. Um, and it's primar primarily through one of those three channels that they um, come to download the app. But do they come to a, a website first, or you just basically say download the app and get started? Uh, primarily download the app and get started. Well, what's remarkable is that 25% of them download the app and don't even open it. Is that, that, is that correct? That's exactly correct, Mark. And it just absolutely staggers belief as to why you would download an app if you're not going to open it up and at least trial it. So I actually do have some thoughts, some thoughts here. Um, this problem, which is that, um, and I'll call it uh, attraction, there's a lot of different names for it, but for these three different stages, which is coming to the landing page, then converting to starting a subscription, and then basically sticking with it, um, is incredibly complicated and a million moving parts. And it's yeah. one of the parts of your business, of anyone's business, which almost 
will never suffer from overattention. Um, I so distinctly remember at the very, very beginning at Netflix how much time and attention we lavished on that whole process. And in our case, it, there was no web apps back then. And there was no apps back then. You were doing this on a website. But largely you'd say, okay, when some, you get someone to come to your website and what does it say when they arrive? And there's infinite things you can say. You can talk about the price. You can talk about the selection. You can talk about the benefits. You can, there's a million different ways to represent that. You can say, click here. You can say, big click here. You can have a million different interactions. And the experimentation that went into, what do you have to say on that page to get someone to click, start, or sign me up, or whatever the, the experiment with that language too. Yeah. You can't believe it. And then, of course, someone clicks sign me up, and now you begin this next process. And again, it's even equally complicated. Do you ask for a credit card first or a name and address first? Do you ask for email or address? Do you do it in four pages or two pages or one page? Then once someone subscribes, is it a seven-day free trial? Is it a zero-day free trial? Is it a month-long free trial? Eh, forever. And the only thing that I'm perhaps more fascinated with than coffee is the subscription business. So <laughs> I am having to, I'm going to have to go and at least tie myself to the chair here so that I don't go down this rabbit hole of geeking out on the subscription um, data with you. But I will say a couple things. Number one is those numbers you're talking about exceptionally sensitive to even the most ridiculous things. So I hope you have set it up so that you can try a million different ways of what it looks like when someone launches, uh, what the app looks like, or what the description is on the, pay, on the download page. It's kind of mystery to me to download it and not open it, but yeah. there's something going on. Um, but the, that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the other piece is the fact that of... You said it's 36% of the 5,000 downloads or 36% of the 75% who open it? No, 36% of the 5,000 plus downloads are registering um, and, and um, yeah, becoming registered, paying subscribers or doing a trial. And how many take, their first, take at least one cup of coffee? All of them? Um, I don't have those statistics just ha handy, Mark, but... Um, a significant percentage of that 36%, yes. Okay. So uh, the, the point is all these things are, the, 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 is hugely sensitive to the things you have very, very little intuitive sense over that you have to begin experimenting about all these different possible dynamics. And let's break it into two pieces. Let's talk about this mystery, this why on earth would 25% of the people who download it I will ask before I suggest it, um, have you done uh, follow home um, stuff? Have you watched people do this in the wild? I mean, that's kind of hard from New Zealand. Have you had someone else do this? In terms of download it, but not open the app? Yes. Well, yeah. here's what, okay, I'm sorry for the leading question. I'll answer my own question. And I'll use an example. At Netflix, we had a gentleman named Joel Meyer, uh, still a good friend of mine. He ran our analytics back then. And what Joel would do is 
he would go sometimes to a uh, hang out at a consumer electronics store where they were selling DVD players. And at the time, almost all the DVD players came with a coupon that got you three free DVD rentals. And although this sounds very creepy, it actually worked. He would actually watch someone buy one and go up to them and go, would you mind if I came home with you? Because <laughs> like, I want to sit with you and watch you redeem the coupon. And astoundingly, people would say, yeah, sure. And he'd go home with someone and they'd go in their office and they'd, he'd watch them pull the coupon out. He'd look at what they look at. He'd watch them sit down and watch them go through the process of re signing up for a Netflix subscription and redeeming their coupon. And it was so revelatory about what people thought and how different it was than um, what we expected. I mean, it's that classic thing where you're watching someone and they're stuck and you and you're going um what's the problem and they go well it says hit any key and there is no any key and you go oh uh, so the thing is it might be really interesting for you to go to a coffee shop where there's a point of sale display which i assume you have yes that says sign up for your free subscription download the app and have someone sit in that coffee shop for eight hours a day for a week. And when they see someone look over at it and obviously engage with it, go, would you just mind if I watched you go through the process? And talk to me out loud about what you're seeing and what you're thinking. Right. And you will... I would be extremely surprised. I mean, to start, someone who does that is going to download it and then they're going to launch the app. So you're not going to find someone necessarily in the wild who does it, but you're going to hear the thing that they're bumping into. You're going to listen for, oh, that's not what I thought. Or, oh, I didn't realize I had to give my credit card. Oh, I didn't realize. Or, oh, I don't have this. Or... You're going to hear the O, and that's what you're going to listen for. And you may not know that that's the reason, because again, the people who are being watched are going to complete. It's um, uh, quantum, quantum physics here. Uh, your, your behavior changes the behavior. Your watching changes the behavior of the things you're watching. But you're listening for those three or four or five O's, and you're going to come back and go, wow, a lot of people said reacted this way when they saw the app when it finally came up on their screen um or something uh and then you're going to go huh i wonder if i can change that i'm going to change what it says in the sign i'm going to make something clear and what might happen is you might go in a you know if your average return was a certain was a thousand it might of which 75 percent opened it so 750 out of a thousand it might drop to 900 of which 850 opened which is a more positive number by yeah. clearing up the misunderstanding in other words you're talking about a behavior which is going to be undetectable i mean the beautiful thing about the internet and about doing business that way is how incredibly metrics driven it can be but you're talking about a behavior which is untrackable because it doesn't happen 
it, by definition, it's not happening. They're not doing anything that allows you to track it. So the only way to figure that out is to, in my opinion, watch. And there's okay. other ways to do it, which you can enlist people, uh, you know, cold online and say, you know, can I, will you do this while I'm, and tell us what happened? We're going to do a survey monkey, whatever the company's now called. But watching it is an incredibly powerful way. Wonderful. Um, the other thing I would try, and we didn't even talk about this piece of it, but the, your next level down, which is those numbers, you sh tisk tisk, you should have those completely on the top of your head because there, that is every, I know that you're into quality of the beans and all that stuff, but man, it's going to live or die on simple things like what the terms are of your first month. Uh, or is it a first month or is it a first week or is it a first cup? Um, is the first cup free? Is the first week free? Uh, et cetera. The other huge metric here is, okay, you have, you have 5,000 downloads, 75% open the app. What's the behavior now? How many of them complete and where do they fall off? Uh, what would happen if you captured the email and then on the next screen ask for the credit card versus credit card and then what happens if, I mean, there's all these different mechanisms. And then the fundamental thing to look for is what percentage of the people take more than one cup of coffee and what can you do to begin to affect that behavior? Because Okay, I can't help it. I'm untying myself and I'm going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole. Subscription businesses have two distinct phases and I'm going to go back to a, a methodology which um, you will understand and you hinted at your age by the fact that you spent 40 years in Australia so you're at least 41. <laughs> but you're old enough to remember these things called magazines and I cut my teeth on doing magazine subscription. I, you know, I found two of the companies I founded were magazines. And so I knew magazine circulation. And there's this dynamic where you can, someone comes to the page and they hear about this awesome magazine and they subscribe. And you go, that's a great number. But the big number is how many of them renew, which is at the end of the year, how many say I'm going to keep going it. And the usual magazine drop off is only half renew. And then you say, what happens in year three? Well, that number is usually 90% of year two. And you go, why would it be 50% fall off after year one, but only 90% only of the people stay on for year three? And it's because when you sign up for something for a magazine, you're going, oh my gosh, this is going to make me thinner. This is going to make me more attractive, more muscular, more attractive to the opposite sex. This is going to make me richer. And then... The thing arrives in the mail and you go, oh shit, it's just a magazine. It's not the secret of life. Uh, and so only half the people stick with it. And you have the exact same dynamic. These people are going to download the app and they're imagining in their minds, this is crazy. I can sample all kinds of great coffees. Or they're doing the math and they're going, wow, 60 cents, that's a good deal. But you don't know. And then some percentage of them try it and stick around. So you says you have a 94% retention rate, but there's two different retention rates. There's that the, what you get in your first renewal period and what you get in all subsequent renewal periods. And you have to look at those differently. And that's advice you didn't ask for. Uh, take it for, that's a freebie. I love this idea though. I mean, I think that subscription coffee 
has been tried a million times in the bean delivery, uh, uh, Gavalia being the classic case, where that experiment, of course, you know, it's a subscribe and you get fresh beans every month, basically stops when every single subscriber realizes I've now used up both stalls of my garage and my entire guest room are now <laughs> filled up to a shoulder level with coffee. Because <laughs> stop sending me this stuff. Yeah. But what yours is different is it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be like Netflix was, where people do the math and go, wow, if I only have 12 cups of coffee, and then quickly they realize that isn't what's important. What's important is the convenience. This is just easy. Um, and, and, and it changes the whole relationship with the store and with you. So it's cool. Well, I rambled on here, and maybe because I've had too much coffee. Uh, <laughs> have we gone anywhere in the right direction of the things you were curious about? Or um, is there someplace else you want to explore too? No, that's great, Mark. Um, great insights. So uh, we will have a look at a few of those uh, to see if and, and let you know what the churn, what the uh, what the change rates end up being. Um, before, there's one final question I have for you, which is on a totally separate topic, um, which is the issue of a founder appointing a CEO. Um, do you have any uh, general, um, you know, advice that you can give? for when is the right time for a founder to step to one side and appoint a CEO to run the company? There is a couple of ways to answer that. And uh, since I am going to assume this is a specific to you as opposed to this generalized case, because the normal answer to that, and it doesn't get um, asked very often, but the normal answer to that is that once you realize that you're no longer the right person for the job, uh, and you know, I often talk about the dynamics of a startup is that at the beginning, you're basically a group of people in search of a repeatable and scalable business model. And so the key skill is searching. And searching requires that you be very comfortable running over to a rock, getting your crowbar, prying the rock over, and oh, not there, no problem. You run to the next rock. And now this one requires a hoist and you have to figure out how to build a hoist to lift that rock up. And you've got to be comfortable doing something different every day. You've got to be good at not only using crowbars, but using hoists. You have to have all kinds of different skills. You're a generalist, you have ADHD. Um, it's a different skill set. And people who are great at startups are great at that. Uh, However, if you're lucky, then you get to achieve this product market fit. Uh, you do have a repeatable, scalable model. And now your job is to repeat it and scale it. Right. And the skill sets for repeating and scaling are very, very different. And it's very, very um, common for the person who was the unbelievable star during the searching phase is struggling during the repeat and scaling phase. Uh, and it could happen as you go from 10 to 100 employees. It could go happen, you go from 100 to 1,000. It may even not happen until you go from 1,000 to 10,000. But it almost always happens. Um, and usually the, the, the problem that people come to me with is I have, to, I have an employee who's been a loyal employee all these years and they did everything for me and they worked out. And but now... The jobs change. It's much bigger. It's much more complicated. And 
they're not the right person and I need to counsel them out. And, and I, all I can do is commiserate and go, yeah, that sucks, but that's part of what it is. But the thing you're bringing up is, well, sometimes the person who needs to be counseled out is you, that you're the person who no longer scales with the company. But I don't think that's what you're alluding to. Um, because you're still extremely early. You're still searching for the repeatable, scalable model. So in my case, what I would recommend is that the time is, you, if you say, this is not my long-term biz, I'm a coffee roaster, or I'm an itinerant entrepreneur, I want to do something different. The answer is it's really hard to recruit someone to run a company until they know what it is they're running. I see. And... You have to recognize that when you bring someone in, there has to be some continuity, which is that there has to be someone who's going to stick around for a while. So the challenge is, let's hypothetically said, it's now. Well, you're going to hire a searcher. You're going to hire someone who's not quite sure what the repeatable, scalable model is. Most of the problems this person has to solve haven't even been encountered yet. Um, and she or he is going to have to work on helping launch this new business and you could probably find a phenomenally good person to do that um especially they go wow i'm jumping into a company where a lot of the groundwork's already being done and i'm just need to crank on this a little bit but or you might go no no i'm gonna wait because we're gonna hit this repeatable scalable model i can feel it and then once you do now the nature is changing now I need someone who's really good at recruiting. I need someone who's really good at putting a team together. I need someone who really has experience with international expansion. I mean, you're going to have a whole different set of criteria of what you want someone to be good at. And I don't think you know yet what it is you want because the company doesn't yet know what it wants to become or what stage it's at. So that's a quick answer to say... It, it, it depends, which is the answer to most of the questions that people ask me. But it's particularly um, the case here is you've got to know what it is you want to hire this person for before you know it's the right time. Um, if you are going, I'm not the right guy now, then now's the right time. Um, but if not, if you go, no, I think I, I really am digging this experimental thing, but I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Then you wait until you have a bit more of a vision toward, oh, I see where this is. I can articulate the big challenges this person's going to have to solve. I can make a movie of what this person will need to accomplish between now and five years from now. And then I can back into what does this person need to have? And is that what I want to do or do I want to have someone else do it? And so, Mark, can I ask a question then? If your break even is at 5,000 uh, consumers, um, is that at that stage is is that a circumstance where you may perhaps look at it and go we now have a repeatable scalable uh, model that um, consideration to a CEO is that is that a, do you think that's an appropriate point to to reconsider the issue break even is probably not the nece necessarily the metric that I'd be looking for. Right. Um, I would be asking the, it'd be a, several questions. Are the unit economics sound here? Is the cost that it takes to find a customer uh, recoverable? 
is this something which as it grows, the numbers get better rather than worse? Um, have I really figured out the right combination of product and services that match the price? I mean, there's a lot of ingredients. It, I've often said that, that this product market fit that we're talking about is like uh, that famous uh, definition of pornography, which is it's really hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Um, and that's the exact same as um, product market fit or repeatable, scalable um, model. So the answer is you might have it now. Um, I doubt it. Um, there's too many fundamental holes here uh, to know whether this works. It, it, again, this is based on a total of 30 or 40 minutes of conversation. So who knows? Maybe my uh, spidey senses say no. Right. Okay. All right. Tremendous. Well, anyway, Carl, I think this is fascinating, and I just might need to book a flight uh, to Queenstown as soon as possible to follow up with you on this. But if I can't pull that off, let's uh, let's chat again in six months, nine months or so, and I'm really curious uh, to see how it goes. And then let's schedule a real geeky whiteboard, deep in the weeds session for subscription model nerds where uh, I grill you on how this is actually going um, as a business. How about that? We'd love to do that, Mark. Yes, I could talk all day on subscriptions. So uh, I look forward to it. And we look forward to seeing you in Queenstown very soon. I'll do my best. Yeah. Well, thanks, Carl. Listen, best of luck with it. And uh, keep those uh, cups of coffee coming. Lovely. Thanks, Mark. All the best. Cheers. Okay. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to learn more, I encourage you to read my book, That Will Never Work, The Birth of Netflix and the Amazing Life of an Idea. It's coming out on paperback on June 7th, but it's available now for pre-order. And did you know there's also a video version of what you heard today? Check it out at YouTube forward slash Mark Randolph. New episodes every Tuesday. Got a question? Then what about joining me as a guest on the show? Paddle over to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. And while you're there, add your name to my mailing list so I can dribble some entrepreneurial hints, tips, and secrets into your inbox. And finally, if you're like me and have the attention span of a goldfish, follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. There's going to be some awesome book giveaways to celebrate the paperback edition.